back. Usually I'm in my chair the right way before I start, but that's not that's not how we're starting this episode. It's episode 37 of The Build. We're in our Andrew Hammond era, our Keith Kincaid age, our Anti Niemi moment, our Andreas Martinson time. And like all three of those guys, this episode will be short-lived. <laughs> there are a few reasons for that. One, I put together an outline, and my computer ate it. It's gone. <laughs> it, I, it's the first time that's ever happened to me. If you've ever needed a reminder to save your work, here it is. So episode 37 is the first episode of this show that's coming straight off the top of my head. The good news is, and this is partly why the, the, the episode will be rather short, the Canadians have been in their bye week and nothing has happened. They return to practice today. We'll get into um, the lines, the pairings that we saw, um, as well as some potential injury updates. And then I put out a, a request for questions, which you guys have provided. And I, will, and I had notes, like I said, they're gone. We're going to try to answer them anyway. Um, but first let's start with those, uh, let's start with practice. Um, the Canadians returned for their first practice since their bye week. Um, their first game is Saturday. They, of course, every Super Bowl weekend, they play the back-to-back -back matinee games. Um, by the way, those are for kids. Don't complain about it. That's all. Just know it's not for you. It's for kids. <laughs> so they can go and see games without having to be up to very late. That's why those exist. Also because the NHL knows it won't compete with anybody, um, let alone, you know, the biggest sporting event of the year. Anyway, um, the Lions from practice learned a few things. First of all, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, um, his placement on the first line uh, was not just an experiment in the last game. It seems to be a somewhat permanent fixture now. He practiced on that first line with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson. Um, a second line of Kirby Doc, Evgeny Dodonov, and Mike Hoffman. Um, it sure is a second line. I I can't help but like, I I know that like they they don't put together lines to try to get guys going with the with the opportunity you know with the idea being that they'll trade them immediately afterwards, but <laughs> they're sticking <laughs> they're sticking Dodonov and Hoffman who are. They're, try they're probably going to try their best to trade them this this trade deadline with their most effective um, forward at the moment in Kirby Doc. So it's just very funny. I don't think that the coaching staff is doing that on their own, but that's a stonks line if I've ever seen one. Um, third line, Rem Pitlick, Christian Dvorak, and Jesse Ulinen, who comes back up on an emergency recall from the AHL. Um, they they had sent them back down to play in the a them as in him, Yes, Yulinen and Alex Belziel back down to Laval to uh, play during the bye week. They've come back up. The fourth line is two-thirds of that Laval line. When Harvey Pinard was there, he's no longer on that line. It is now Pezzetta, Belziel, and Jonathan Druin makes his return to the lineup, it looks like, anyway. Um, that's... All right, who's texting me? See, this is what happens when, I, when, I, when I'm flustered. My phone just buzzes. It's going off. There we go. Fixed it. Um, 
Jonathan Druin returning is is one of the first times in a long time that a player returned exactly when the team said he would. They said that Jonathan Druin would return at the back half of or after the All Star break, and that is when he is back. Um, on defense, nothing really has changed here. Jacai Savard, Matheson, Barron, Harris, Kovacevic, Chris Weidman as the extra. Uh, it looks like Sam Montembeau practicing as the starter, so I would you know, be willing to bet he starts on Saturday. Back-to-back games, we probably see um, Jake Allen on Sunday. Um, but there's there's still some parts missing here that we thought we might have back by now. First and foremost, Sean Monahan. They have not provided an update. They said all last week that they would provide an update by the end of the week, and we did not get one. Um, the update now is lumped into an update on Joel Edmondson, and neither of these are particularly um, of note. The full sentence is forward Sean Monahan and defenseman Joel Edmondson skated before the rest of the group, so we know they are healthy enough to skate and not healthy enough to practice, so they are in no man's land at the moment. Um, for his part, and this is again reading from the Canadian's release, Duran returned to practice for the first time since being placed on injured reserve on January 21st. Um, and they say the Canadians will play afternoon games on Saturday and Sunday during the upcoming family weekend. Nothing in here about uh, timelines for Edmonton or Monaghan. Nothing in here about Yoel Armia, who had the same timeline as Jonathan Drouin, that he was going to return at the end of the All-Star break. We still have not heard anything there. Nothing on Brendan Gallagher, who eagle-eyed people who follow him on social media saw that he is in a walking boot. So that seems not good. Um, but, the, you know, we keep seeing that these updates are not really much of updates, right? Like, it's leading me, like, I, the fact that Sean Monaghan is skating is positive because I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm kind of thinking that he's just done. Um, so, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that the, the Canadians, again, have any sort of rat or any sort of benefit from providing us more information on these in- injuries. Um, of course, you're hoping that they're healthy because they are valuable trade assets when healthy. Um, we were talking about both of these players bringing in, both these players being Monaghan and Edmondson, bringing in some pretty decent, um, you know, future capital. Um, so who's to say when they come back, I'm sure we'll get more information or not. Maybe we won't. Uh, maybe this is just, they'll just keep, it'll be the, the year is 2035 and Sean Monaghan is still practicing ahead of the rest of the group. We'll, uh, we'll never know. Um, and that's really it for, for updates. I mean, it's been a quiet, um, it's been a quiet bye week for them. They didn't make any moves. We saw other teams make trades during that time. Um, the Rangers just acquired Vlad Tarasenko today as I'm recording this. Um, and you know, the, Return was not all that great for the St. Louis Blues, considering what they were giving up. Um, does that have an impact on the Canadians and their, you know, their offloading of assets? That remains to be seen. Um, but still, lots of time to make a move. Still, lots of time to um, get healthy before that trade deadline. It's February 9th as I'm recording this. The trade deadline is on March 3rd, so there's there's time to get healthy. Um, a month is a long time in the NHL. I know it, it it sneaks up on us, but who knows what what position the Canadians will be in by the time they get to that trade deadline? How many how many healthy bodies will they have? Um, how many guys 
do we think make the jump to pro at the end of their their current amateur or collegiate seasons? Um, is it possible that Sean Farrell makes the jump? He looks really, really great for Harvard. Um, is it possible that Lane Hudson makes the jump? I'm I'm a little less convinced of that just because he's a he's a freshman right now. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, you know, there are there are young parts who could find their way on the Canadians after the trade deadline um, to play, you know, the, the first year of their entry-level deal. Or will the Canadians not do that? You know, teams oftentimes don't want to do that. They don't want to burn that entry-level deal. It's usually the first year of it anyway. It's usually used as a tool to get that collegiate player to come and play um, for an NHL team when they don't necessarily need to. Um, you know, I, I remember with Ryan Paling and with Cole Caulfield, the idea of burning the first year of that deal was, was attractive to them. Um, so we'll see. There's a, I've, I've listed a whole bunch of stuff that can happen between now and then. I'm not, I'm not getting my mind in any one way about this trade deadline or the next month. We'll have to see it play out. The Canadians today will not be the Canadians of March 2nd, so we'll have to see. All right, let's let's um, let's get into some of these questions. Uh, I'll start off with friend of the show, Kay, at Line Composition. Um, question, I know everyone's rabid to get Josh Anderson traded this season, myself included probably, but do you think waiting one year and leaving less money on end term on his contract will lead to a better return? Or do you think Hughes can still get uh, get a comparable return um, this year? It's a good question. I think it's it's a balancing act, right? Because you know the the way that Josh Anderson plays, the um, the general philosophy here is that the longer he plays, the more at risk he is of of not only injuring himself but becoming less productive. Um, so it's a balance. It's it's a real risk. You know, the longer you keep him here playing ultimately valueless hockey, right? Like it's, it's Josh Anderson's contract to the Montreal Canadiens right now has no value. And that's not to say he's a bad hockey player. I don't think he's that bad. Offensively, he's been particularly strong the last little while. It's def his defensive metrics look brutal. A lot of red on those player cards. Um, but offensively, I think he's been pretty good. And I think maybe having Raphael Harvey Pinard on that line will, will bring that line a different um, dynamic. But I do, th I, you know, I've said on this show for the, you know, almost the duration of this season that I do, I, I do not think that this trade happens in season. As much as I think that it could happen, like it's not out of the realm of possibility, but there's too much money and too much term tied up in this player right now to have that happen mid-season. Teams just don't have the cap space. In the summer, you can exceed the cap by 10 million or 10%. And then figure your way out after that. So you can exceed it by right now, eight and a quarter million dollars. Um, you know that a team that wanted that would want to acquire a Josh Anderson could do that. So, do I think he's getting traded this year? I'm 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 fifty fifty on it at the moment. I think if he's not traded in the middle of this um, this trade deadline. It raises an interesting question, like how long do you how long do you keep him, right? Do you, do you run it back the next year and say, well, maybe if we keep him on that top line, he can continue to produce, even though when Caulfield and Suzuki are his line mates, he just does not produce at the same rate. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. He might have more value 
after July 1st when a year of that deal is gone. Um, let me pull up this cat friendly. See, we're just going, we're going off the seat of our pants here. And I don't mean to do this. You guys know that. I like to, um, I like to not do this because it's, it's uh, zero fun to try to do this on the fly um, because I'm not very good at it. But I think it's an interesting point that like, you know, the idea that he would have a higher value in a year, you know, given all other things are equal other than his contractual status. Um, because I just, again, I don't have a crystal ball. After the season, four years left at five and a half million per, it's, you know, that's that's to say, like, if his contract was, if we were just picking it up from 2023 on, four years, five and a half million dollars per, it's possible that, that a team finds it more attractive at that point. It's not much better. If you were going from, like, three to two years, then I'd be like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You're, ta you're taking a lot of the money left on that deal out of it. But, like, we're talking about a 20% reduction in, in, in year, years and in, in money. So I just, I don't see it. I wonder if he's owed any signing bonuses. Maybe that'll uh, kick things off. No, no signing bonuses. Um, his base salary increases next season to $8 million, then goes back down to $7 million. And in the final two seasons, it's five and three point five. So for a team that's not a cap team, that's a, that's a that's an internal cap team. Maybe a Josh Anderson becomes a popular option in 2025-26. But at that point, you're wondering, you know, is he even the same player that he is now? Is he even worth that five million or that three point five? That's not even taking into account how much of the cap he takes up. So he's an interesting, the, the rumors with Anderson are not going to go away until he is gone or until, you know, Kent Hughes comes out and says, I'm not trading him, which he hasn't said. You know, he said that teams are interested in him. He hasn't, he, I, I don't think he's shopping Josh Anderson. I think he's listening though, because that's what general managers should do. That's what they get paid to do. So it's an interesting one. So thanks for the question. Uh, I think we've got another one of yours later. Um, this one from Habs Laughs. Uh, Mike on Twitter, uh, assuming the Habs sell off at least one player, um, who would be the Justin Barron type guy you'd like to see them get in return? Um, I don't know how they'd pull this off, and I don't know if he's necessarily a Justin Barron type, but there are some thoughts that, that Buffalo is looking, it might go big game hunting for a goaltender, and if that's the case... Maybe Montreal is able to get in there and grab um, Devin Levi again. Not, I don't know how reasonable that is. It would be really, really nice because that would that's a that's a an organizational weakness right now is in net. And Devin Levi is arguably one of the better goaltending prospects on the market. Um, so he's a guy that I've had my my eye on. Um, again, I don't I don't know that that gets done. Just because I don't, if you're Buffalo, what for what reason do you have to trade him? Um, another one that I, the, the drum I've been banging all year, and I don't think that this is a Justin Barron type move. It's more of a, um, you know, trying to get a guy, a, a change of scenery for a guy. And he's not even, he's much older than, than um, Barron, is Matthew Phillips out in Calgary. And I think this might pair nicely with the question that Kay asked beforehand about Josh Anderson. The Flames are apparently interested in Josh Anderson and have had interest in Josh Anderson for some time. Does that make them good trade partners? Perhaps. 
Calgary has a lot of money already tied up, and they have almost no draft capital to speak of. We've all seen the conditions on the pick that Montreal currently has from Calgary. So it's kind of, it would be a weird fit, but Matthew Phillips is a guy who has dominated at the AHL level. He was an AHL All-Star again this year. He looks like he's done at that level, and he can't seem to find a spot in that Flames roster. Um, you know, as Montreal moves bodies out and moves contracts out, you got to think that that someone like a Phillips might come in, might be able to come into Montreal and win a role. Because it's really fascinating how he's sort of like a Charles Houdon type in that he's dominated the AHL but just has not been able to figure it out at the NHL level. Um, and I, I just don't think in Calgary he's been given that opportunity. So that might be an option for a guy coming back. Um, I'm not so well-read on on other prospects. I've, I've seen, you know, Devin Levi and, and, and Matthew Phillips are guys that I would target from a, an organizational need standpoint. Um, so thanks for sending the question in. Uh, next one from Brendan Burke, 8, um, on Twitter. When Lane Hudson arrives, the Habs will have Matheson, Gooley, Hudson, Harris, and Jackye all rostered as natural left defensemen. Would you trade one and who? Or who do you think could excel as a right defenseman? It's a, This is a, a problem. It's a good problem to have, right? Like, I'd rather have, well, how many are there? Five left-handed defensemen, Matheson, Gooley, Hudson, Harris, Jackye, five. Five NHL left-handed defensemen is a good problem to have. Um, I do wonder if if this is Caden Gooley. And I know he's not a he's not a right shot defenseman, but I wonder if it's him playing that role. Um because I feel like they would complement each other's games so well. If I had to trade one, it would probably be Matheson. Um or Jackai, as much as that stings, because Jackai is a really just a likable guy and a really, really cool story. Um I just I don't know how high Jackai's ceiling is. Um, and I don't necessarily think that Matheson's prime will mesh with when this team expects to be successful. There are there, but there are also other other parts that are coming through. Logan Maya is going to be in the conversation for a, a spot on this roster as soon as next season. Um, you can you can make comments on you know whether or not he's earned that from a. Uh, a you know the the standpoint that that you know for the reasons that he was not drafted there are also arguments from people who have watched his game and who are, who analyze prospects who say that his his game has not developed in a way that that is going to be um you know uh, transferable at, to the NHL level so he's kind of a wild card at the moment as much as he is you know lighting it up offensively from those who are in the know, they say there's not too much that he's doing from a statistical standpoint that we haven't seen from people in his position in the past. Um, you know, that being an overager, um, he, there's some thought that maybe he could, Maya could go back to the OHL next year as a, a real overager. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think he ends up with, um, I think he ends up in, in, in at least Laval. He might be in Montreal next season, but at least he's in Laval, Laval next season. So 
to answer your question, like I think it's Gooley. I think Gooley and 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 uh, Hudson are going to be that pairing for the Canadians. Um, it might be as soon as next season. It might be as soon as you know before the season's up. I don't know how much longer Gooley has um, with his current knee injury. So we'll see. I certainly wouldn't want to trade Jordan Harris at the moment because I think from you know the analytics standpoint here the 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 you know the the really in-depth metrics on him they look fantastic. He is he is really 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 strong in his own end. And I think a a, a team who pays attention and values that sort of thing like a, a a Colorado, like Carolina, like Toronto even they might try to to snag a Jordan Harris for, you know, a, a low sum. And they might be able to do it if they can, you know, if the Canadians don't value those same things. I really like Jordan Harris. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that I've been, you know, begging for him to, uh, for him to have an elevated role, especially on the power play. I wonder how, I wonder how they make that, how they put him in that role. I don't think Harris is, is, a guy that they're looking at trading at the moment. All right, let's see some other ones. We got some more in here. Um, this one from Beth at Everwe. Uh, do you think the Habs trade Allen and bring someone else in uh, to front or back up uh, Montembeau? Or do you think they keep Allen and Monty until another prospect is ready? This is challenging because coming into this season, I didn't think the Canadians had goaltending. Right, like I didn't think that they had a an NHL goalie, and that's no disrespect to Jake Allen, it's no disrespect to um, Sam Montembeau. It's just that we haven't seen it. Even when Jake Allen was here over the last few years and was playing, he wasn't playing all that well, um, and he, you know, he deals with a lot of injuries, which he just came back from another one. And Montembeau, he just hadn't shown it at an NHL level yet, um, up until last month, you know, mid January, where he really turned it on. I think that, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago in regards to um, Ken Hughes' comments on Sam Montembeau. He's, he's, not, he's not considering trading Sam Montembeau. He wants to see him play out and see maybe if he just develops, you know, a little bit later than most goaltenders do. It takes goalies a long time. He's, he's still not that old from a goaltending standpoint. Um, I think, and I, you know, I've, I've brought this up on the show in the past. I think that it's, it's really... It's imperative on this front office to not sit tight on goaltending. They have to keep searching for, you know, keep keep filling the cupboards as far as goaltending goes because they don't have much. They've got a, maybe, maybe an NHL guy in Jakob Dobish, um, maybe another one in Frederick Deschaux, but these are maybes. And I know goaltending is never a sure thing, but these aren't even like, these are, these are long shot you know, not long shot, but they're not, I just don't think they're at the same level of like a Devin Levi, um, you know, or like you think back to like Carter Hart or um, Spencer Knight for Florida, like they don't have one of those internally. And that's not to say that you need one, but I feel like you should keep swinging until you know, you've got an, you, you know, you've, you know, you've got a goaltender that you'll have for the next 10 years. They don't have that on their roster or anywhere in their organization at the moment. In my opinion, maybe it's Caden Primo, maybe it's D-Show, maybe it's Dobish. Those are all possible things that could happen. I just, I feel like they have to keep filling that, um, 
But until that until that happens right now, that net belongs to Sam Montebo, and it should. He's been great the last little while. The last game that he played in was, you know, it got out of hand, as games against the Senators typically do for one reason or another. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's imperative on them to find another goaltender. But for right now, I'm confident in Sam Montembeau at least providing competent goaltending for the, for, you know, the foreseeable future. So thanks for sending that in. Uh, at Logan BBH, uh, who's the opening day roster for 2025? Obviously lots of moving parts, but best guess. Uh, let's, let's, let's just, I think I'll try to find a line or two um, up front, a line or two on defense, and then a goaltender. Suzuki, Caulfield, and... I'm trying to think of who they might try. And you know what? Let's go Matvey Michkov. Maybe he'll be around in 2025. He, You know, again, we talked about it a few weeks ago. If the Canadians were to pick him, yes, he's under contract in the KHL, but you can buy yourself out of that contract. So if he, if he had the money, they could make that work. Um, but I, I really love the idea of drafting Matvey Michkov. Um, I think he'd be a really, really fun option next to Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, Second line, let's well, let's go fun with it. Uh, Doc, Slavkovsky, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Th- that line would be massive. <laughs> like I, I know Doc and and Slavkovsky are six foot four. I think Dubois is around the same height. That would be an incredible second line, and a second line on a team that could be a cup contender, depending on what the rest of the roster looks like. So that would be really, really, really fun. Um, on defense, I, like I said, I think Gooley and um, I, I think Hudson's going to be there at that point in 2025. Like he's probably at least, you know, a second pairing. He might be the Canadians' best defenseman already at that point. Um, and again, I know it's been really hard because I want to temper my expectation and temper my excitement for Lane Hudson, but it is impossible. I've tried for a long time. I am over the moon excited about this kid. I cannot wait for him to play in Montreal. Um, second pairing may be Matheson and uh, Harris. Again, I don't know that the Canadians are so worried about, you know, we need left hand, we need right shot defensemen. I think right now they're in the market for good defensemen. They need good players. Um, you know, up until this this last practice, they they didn't have 12 healthy forwards. They couldn't be choosers, right? Um, I think that's how it will play out on defense for at least the time being. And then maybe they, they try to go grab a right-hand shot defenseman on the market somewhere else. And in net, 2025, it's probably still Sam Montembeau, but maybe there's there's some more, you know, maybe Adisho or Adobish is backing him up by that point. Um, again, goaltenders take a little bit. They, 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 they kind of develop at a different schedule than other players do. So I'm not overly concerned about that yet, but it's going to become late early if they don't figure it out. So um, I think it's it'll be Montembeau at that point, but I don't know that he's the long-term um, you know, plan in net at that point. And I don't know if at that point they've addressed the needs that they have internally in net. Um, and also, second best question, best non-traditional wings flavor. By the way, these questions, always acceptable doesn't always have to be about hockey i like talking about anything and i thought about this one for a while 
I don't think it's sauce. I think it's a salt and vinegar dry rub. I think that's what I would go go with. And I don't think that's all that traditional in the sense that it's not like, you know, Frank's red hot butter and garlic like like, you know, traditional buffalo sauce is. But they're fun. You know, salt and vinegar seasoning should go on more things. That's generally my take in life. So thanks for sending uh, in these questions. I think I got to them all. We're going to do one last scroll on Twitter and make sure I did. Uh, looks like I did. Wait, did I? There was one more, I think. Hold on. Hold on. See, this is the problem doing this live. We can't do it live. Um, duh, 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 duh. No, I will not edit it. We will do it live. Oh, this is another one from Kay. Sorry, Kay. I'm sorry I missed this. Um, and I have put thought into this one as well. It's just on my notes that went into the ether. Uh, a little more of a general question, but what's your favorite advanced stat just in general? Um, it can be because you think it's very funny or very, very useful or just funny or just weird. I, you know, I do. I, I like expected goals in the sense that I think it gives us the best, um, you know, the most, not accurate, but the most fully representative idea of who should be winning in a hockey game. You've, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen, you know, moneypuck.com and the, 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 the deserve to win meter which I think accurately expresses how, um, you know, how these games ought to, not ought to be decided, but often are decided. The deserve to win meter doesn't say like, you know, you, ex you know, it says like, you know, Montreal deserves to, you know, it, it, they're at 25% chance to win. It doesn't mean that they're definitely going to lose. It means that of the thousand simulations that they did, the Canadians won 20, or I guess it would be 25 of them. Um, my math might be completely wrong. No, it would be 250 of them. There we go. We got there. The idea that, that you know, any sort of sport can be boiled down into one true number is sort of the, um, you know, the big idea that, that a lot of sports have. Baseball's tried it with war, um, wins above replacement. We've, we've seen that in hockey, too. It's becoming goals above replacement. Um, I think expected goals is like, at least from a fan standpoint and someone who's not all that involved in data modeling and anything like that, it's the closest thing we have at the moment to, you know, that sort of wins above replacement, that one true number. So I like that one a lot. Um, a few years ago for a publication called the Hockey Newsletter, which was just always very dumb things, I, um, I wrote... I wrote an article about how I, I wanted to find, like, I wanted to find a statistic for teams that were boring. Um, so I, like, I essentially pulled a bunch of metrics from, I think, Hockey Reference and weighted them depending on how cool I thought they were. Like, goals are good. Those should be more important, important than, like, goaltending, that sort of thing. And I tried to find a, um, just a value that proved how exciting they were. And that was a lot of fun. And I just, all I did was I, I applied that to a bunch of, like, the every Stanley Cup champion since, like, the 1960, since, since expansion, because that's when all these stats were actually um, held. Uh, and that was really fun. The, which one was it? 
the 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 cup winning blues from a few years ago were pretty boring um those early 2000s devils teams were really boring it's not an advanced statistic but it was a way of trying to quantify um exciting hockey or boring hockey so that was a lot of fun thank you for sending in those questions um it made this a lot better, especially considering um, my entire outline was eaten, um, and that's just nothing we can um, we can do anything about. So thanks for listening. Um, I wanted to uh, take a second because I'm pretty sure that this show, by the time you're listening to this, and between this episode and the next one, um, this show will be a year old. I've been doing the build for. Um, a calendar year to this point, February 14th. I started on Valentine's Day. That's so funny. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're new, I appreciate you stepping in um, and, and, and listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. If this is your first episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually they are um, far less uh, disjointed than this. Usually I have my life together, but today I did not, and I still wanted to put an episode together. So here we are. Um, 30, 37 episodes in a year. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not an episode a week, but it's still pretty good. I'm pretty proud of that. And, um, if you've been listening since the beginning, I really, really appreciate that as well. Um, all right. That's all I got. Um, I'm on Twitter at maybe it's Ian at rabbit Hamps for the blog. Um, the music you are listening to right now, and you heard it at the beginning of the episode is inside by Fred Mug. Check the link in the description to head to his Bandcamp page and check out the rest of his stuff. All right, gang. See you when there's actual hockey to talk about. Bye.